Well, thanks, worship team. Sometimes you guys do too good of a job leading us in worship. <laughs> Holy cow. Because, I mean, you're just, we're singing about the grace of God. Why, you know, why? Why would he save a sinner like me? Uh, I'll get it. Um, okay, so I'm going to try to move on. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to show you a picture of some friends of mine. And you know some of these guys too. So two churches were planted in our network within the last few weeks, the SALT Network. One church, Doxa Church in Madison, Wisconsin. Rob and Ronnie both been here and preached a couple times. Um, And so uh, that's going great. Aaron Rodgers, you got to love Aaron. Look look at him. And then Jack Owens, okay, who started the college ministry that became Salt Company, that became Cornerstone Church, that became, or that planted our church, Stonebridge Church, and then started Stonebridge Church before I was even here as well. Helping out at his age, I don't know, he's, I don't know how old he is, but man, that's, that's what I want to do. I, when I'm that age, I don't want to, I don't want to just hang up my hat and say I'm done. I want, I want to be going hard for Jesus at that age, and he still is helping plant churches down at Kansas. So I just wanted to pray for these guys and pray for those churches before we get going. So God, I thank you for what you're doing in Madison and Lawrence, and I pray that you would just do even more, Lord. I pray that lots of students, lots of people in those communities would come to know Jesus and get plugged in. And we just pray that you would just do incredible things there through these, these men and women who are serving you down there, God. And we pray this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so I know, I know one thing that is true of everybody in here this morning. I know one thing that's true of everybody on this planet. So we're all waiting on something, Right? We're all waiting on something. Maybe it's, you're waiting for a text, you're waiting for an email. Maybe you're waiting on a diagnosis. Maybe you're waiting for a house to sell. Maybe you're waiting for a child. Maybe you're waiting for Christmas, kids, birthday. Um, Maybe you're waiting for the sermon to be done. Um, If not anything else, if you believe in Jesus, you're waiting on Jesus to come back. I know that for sure. Uh, So I want to share the story of us waiting on our firstborn child, Joy. So how many days late was she? Was she? A, week a week and two days. So nine days. Seemed like an eternity. Okay, so we get to the due date. And I'm, I'm a kind of a planner. Joey's really a planner, and I'm kind of a planner. Um, and so I'm like, okay, this is going to happen then. I'm going to get all my ducks in a row, and then the due date comes. doesn't happen. I'm like, well, that, what am I supposed to do now, you know? And so we tried all sorts of things. We played sand volleyball um, to try to induce labor. Uh, we went on hikes, Heather drank all sorts of weird things that were supposed to induce labor and didn't, and we just wanted the baby to come. We were excited, we were waiting, we were anxious, come on, just, just get on the road. And then finally, um, uh, contraction started, so um, we went into the hospital, and we went in the evening, contractions all night. Nothing really happening by the morning. We weren't going to do an epidural. You know, we're going to go for it and do all natural, all that. Yeah, it didn't happen. Um, so by the morning, got an epidural. Heather got some sleep, and I didn't get any sleep because I'm really bad at waiting for things. 
And so I'm just like, oh, man, you know, she's going to come. And what's it going to happen? You know, so just freaking out. And so there we are, waiting, waiting. And that day now is our anniversary. And so now I'm thinking, well, I don't want to share my anniversary <laughs> with our child's birthday. So maybe I can wait. So, and it turned out she was born at 1 a.m. the next day. So we still have an anniversary. <laughs> and, um, so... Yeah, it, it all turned out well, and but it, it, it was it was difficult. Oh, one thing about waiting. Um, the, when we finally had the epidural, the guy's name, the anesthesia guy, whatever you call him, he's a, um, his name was Rick. He called himself One Stick Rick. He gets it right every time. Guess what? Took him two sticks. But um, so that didn't help in the waiting. But you know, we we're all waiting for something. We're in the book of Acts, and we're in chapter 1, the end of chapter 1, um, picking up verse 12 today. But Jesus' followers, too, were waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. And so we can relate with these guys and gals a lot who are waiting on something really significant. So let's start reading in Acts 1, verse 12. And they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So this first section, we see that they're waiting wisely on God. They're waiting wisely on God. And it's weird that they're waiting wisely because I want to point you back to Luke. Remember, Acts is written by Luke, who also wrote the book of Luke. And in Luke 22, I have it up on the screen, here's what happens. So, and he came out, this is Jesus, he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And we came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. He said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. This is why it's so weird that the disciples were waiting wisely in Acts 1. Because not long before that, Jesus told them to pray while they were waiting. And they fell asleep. Jesus waited really wisely. He was agonizing in prayer, drops of blood. I mean, just incredible. He knew how to wait well. The disciples didn't. What changed? These are the same dudes. What changed? Well, the resurrection. Jesus died and rose from the dead. And now Jesus promised them earlier in chapter 1 the promise of the Holy Spirit. And they understand why Jesus was so devoted to prayer. They didn't, they didn't realize the magnitude of what was about to happen, and Jesus did. So, we see a different story here. They waited wisely, and here's how they waited wisely, in two main ways. First, 
prayer. It says in verse 14, they devoted themselves to prayer. That word devoted means to continue steadfastly. It means you're constantly diligent. You're not just diligent at it. You're constantly diligent. It's perseverance. It assumes that it's hard. Anyone in here who's ever tried to pray for a length of time knows that it's, it's hard to pray sometimes. Perseverance. They're devoting themselves to pray. Why? They already had the promise of the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus is like, the Holy Spirit's going to come. In chapter 1, verse 5. Well, it's because they were desperate. They prayed because they were desperate. We need you, God. You have to come through here. We need the Holy Spirit. We are nothing without you. I imagine that's some of their, was some of their prayers. The timing of this was totally out of their control. They didn't know when it was going to happen, so they're desperate. And so maybe you're here this morning and you're going through something, you're waiting on something that's really difficult. Maybe you're waiting for healing from from chronic pain or some condition with yourself or or a loved one. Maybe you're waiting to get a diagnosis from a doctor that that might change the trajectory of your life. Maybe you're waiting to, to find out whether you can even have children. Maybe you're waiting for a phone call that a loved one is on their deathbed. If so, if, you're, if that's you or some other desperate circumstance, you get this. You understand what these disciples are going through. Desperately in prayer, waiting on God. And I hope you know that God does have a perfect plan for whatever you're waiting for. And if not here in heaven, all hurts, all wrongs will be made right. All hurts will be healed. But it's really hard to wait now for those things, isn't it? So we need to pray like the disciples, desperately. God, I need you. God, I can't do this without you. The other reason they prayed is because they were being dependent on God. The disciples understood that the only way to battle anxiety while you're waiting is to pray. They were experiencing the truth that Paul would later write in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, the disciples knew that prayer changes things. Prayer has an effect, but they also knew that prayer changes me. Prayer changes them. And it says here, we're promised peace in Philippians 4. If we bring the things we're desperate about, waiting on God for, to to Him in dependence, He brings us peace that goes beyond all understanding. It's beautiful. So if you're waiting, and we all are for something, devote yourselves to prayer. That's what the disciples did. And the second thing they did They devoted themselves to community. It says in verse 14, with one accord. That means with one purpose. And that that purpose here was to obey Jesus' command to wait for the Holy Spirit. They knew that obedience to Jesus is really difficult by yourself. Especially when you're commanded to go back to the town where Jesus was killed. Right? Did you catch that? They were asked to go back to Jerusalem. 
wasn't, wasn't a popular thing to follow Jesus at that point, right? They just killed Jesus. Be like, it'd be like if you, if you had a job at a, at a restaurant and you got fired and then the next week you go back to that restaurant to eat. Awkward, right? <laughs> you wouldn't want to do that. Right? You'd avoid that restaurant at all costs if they just fired you last week. right? But that's what Jesus is telling them. Go back to that place. It's really hard. So they understood, yeah, we can't, I can't do this by myself. Let's all, let's all get together. It says there's 120 of them. All in one place. That must have been crowded and stinky. and I, Yeah, just let your mind wander there. But, um, but here's the thing. They knew that persevering in prayer is also really difficult by yourself. Right? You're always more focused. You're always more intentional. You're always more consistent in prayer when you do it with other people. And they understood that, right? You know, you may be seeing mugs or shirts say 1002. And that's just to remind us to pray at 1002 every day. In Luke 102, it says to pray that, that um, God would send out laborers to the harvest field. Pray that more people would be sent out to share Jesus with people. And so it's always, I always have better prayer times when I, when I grab someone at 10.02 and pray with them than if I just do it by myself. Because there's, there's power in community. So ultimately, these disciples knew that waiting in general is difficult by yourself. So we, we've seen what it means to wait wisely. Prayer, community. Here's what it would be like to wait unwisely. Insulation and isolation. Insulation. This is what the disciples did in in Luke. They checked out, fell asleep. Insulation is when you numb yourself with other things, with other people to distract yourself from whatever you're waiting on because I'm so anxious about it. I'm just going to insulate myself, not try to think about it. We all know how well that goes in the end, though. An isolation. When you isolate, you become overwhelmed with anxiety, and you worry, and you worry some more, and then you worry some more. And you feel alone in the wait. Why? Because you you decided to be alone. And so even though it's the quick fix, insulation and isolation, it isn't a wise way to wait. So what are you waiting on for God right now? Wait wisely by fighting that urge to insulate and to isolate with desperate, dependent prayer and community. Would your prayer life be described as devoted? Because here's the thing. Here's, here's what I know is true about me and probably true about a lot of us. The less devoted I am to prayer the more devoted I become to really stupid things, right? And the more devoted I, but, but on the other end, the more devoted I am to prayer, the more devoted I am to things that matter in light of eternity. So if you're struggling with worry, if you're struggling with fear, if you're struggling with anger, if you're struggling with laziness, if you're struggling with just disengaging, How's your devotion to prayer? Start there. 
How about community? Would your community with other believers be described as devoted? Is devoted biblical community an hour and a half on Sunday morning and maybe two hours with a connection group? And that's it? That doesn't seem to be what's happening in the New Testament. See, the temptation when we're struggling with things is to isolate ourselves. Sorry, I can't make it to connection group this week because we're having some marital problems. I can't, I can't make it this week because my, a loved one is dying and I just need some time to myself. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes you need that. But, but wait a minute. What's true biblical community for? It's for the times that you're struggling. When you feel like isolating the most is when we need to, to run to community the most. Because we need each other in that. Because the thing is, if Christian community is just for put-together people that aren't struggling with stuff, then I'm out. I'm done with church. Because I can't do it by myself, and neither can you. I can't even begin to get right and work on stuff without other people. And so I encourage you, if you're not part of a connection group, become part of one. Fill out the bottom of your bulletin. Hop on our website. Sign up. Talk to me. Talk to Joey. And if you are part of one, this week, share what you're waiting for and brainstorm ways in your group to wait wisely with prayer and community. How could, what would that look like in my life to become more wise in my waiting? And how can we help each other do that? Second half of this section It's all about waiting actively on God. So we've got waiting wisely, waiting actively. So let's pick up in verse 15. Acts 1.15. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers, the company of persons in all about 120, and said, Brothers, the Scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field from the reward of his wickedness. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle of all his bowels, gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So the field was called, in their own language, a keldamo, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. Verse 21, so one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two. uh, They put forward two. Joseph called Barsabas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, you, Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them. The lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered among the eleven apostles. Of course, Matthias won because it's close to Matthew. So, um, no. But active waiting. Isn't that an oxymoron? 
Well, let me help you. Let me help you understand active waiting. Okay, let's say my wife Heather calls me and is like, "Hey, I know you picked up some pizza. I'm like ten minutes out. Can you wait for me to eat pizza with the kids?" And I'm like, "Sure, I can do that." So I could do one of two things, right? I could, I could do this. I could set the table. I could pour some Dr. Pepper with ice for her, right? I could get some salad with some ranch going on on the table. I, I could quick run to the store and get some ice cream, have that ready in the freezer, have some fresh flowers on the table. Or I could do none of those things and during those 10 minutes watch Netflix. Okay? The first one is waiting actively. The second one is not. <laughs> and see, all I would be doing is doing things that I know would honor and please my wife. Right? It's not like she's going to be upset that I did any of that stuff. She's going to be very happy that I did all of that stuff. And that's what active waiting looks like here for the disciples too, right? They didn't just sit there and twiddle, twiddle their thumbs. They looked in Scripture and said, okay, what do we know honors God? And while we're waiting for the Holy Spirit, let's do those things that we know honor God. That's active waiting. How did they know what honored God? Well, they searched Scripture. Peter sees the need for a new leader to take Judas's spot. And he sees it in Scripture, in the Psalms he's quoting. He searched through Scripture and found that. He searched for direction and what to do. He was looking to God, not himself or other people for direction. I mean, Peter could have made a really strong logical case without Scripture. You're like, yeah, there should be 12 of us. There was 12 tribes in Israel. Um, we should probably have another guy in here. Let's just pick pick someone there this guy let's go he could have done that and no one probably would have questioned it but instead he went to scripture see logic is important but God's word is more important so he searched scripture but then they dependently applied scripture and you might think wow really they cast lots that's how they decided between these two guys How's that dependently applying Scripture? Well, let's talk about dependence. They prayed, it says in here. They really were leaving it up to God. They weren't saying, God, bless our coin flip. All right. Thanks, God. Ah, I suppose we should consult God. Where's those lots at? Let's, let's cast some. I don't even know what casting lots is. Someone can fill me in later. Um <laughs> It's rolling dice. Oh, learn something new every day. Um, studied hard this week. Um, <laughs> so Matthias and Joseph, let me tell you a little about, about these guys. These guys, these two guys were probably the only qualified ones because there was two qualifications we see in verse 21 and 22. I did study this part. Um, <laughs> first thing, they had to be a follower of Jesus from the start of his ministry, Right? And the second thing, they had to be a witness of the resurrection of Jesus. My guess is there weren't a lot of people who fit that description. We don't know if they were the only ones, but I think that's a good guess, that they were probably the only qualified ones. So it's not like they were just saying, well, 
we're going to decide, but God, you can have the last say. I, I think God had the whole say on this. And I think that's backed up through their prayer. It says in verse 24, You, Lord, know the hearts of all. Show us which one. They're saying, God, you know these two men better than they even know themselves. We trust you. So then they applied scripture. They cast lots. And that was, that was done often, which is rolling dice, I just learned. Um, which was done often in the Old Testament to decide things. So they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet to guide them, remember. So they were doing what was done in Scripture. They were applying Scripture. They didn't just say, yeah, we should find a new guy. They actually did it, and they used a biblical method to do it. So, again, what are you waiting on for God right now? Wait actively by searching Scripture, then dependently apply it. How? First, you just got to be in Scripture. Are you, are you reading Scripture at all? I want to show you a little video um, from Pastor John Piper um, about an experience he had with God. Check this out. And so he keeps going. Listen to this. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. That's Psalm 66, verse 5. He goes on to explain that experience wasn't him hearing a voice in his head, he was reading the Bible. For a lot of us, we just take the Bible for granted. 
But this is God speaking. If you're in a time of waiting, hear from God. Have an experience like that. I had one this morning. You can have, you can have that all the time. Because God is, has spoken definitively. And you don't have to wonder if it's Him speaking. Open His Word. What do you find in Scripture that would honor God right now? Find that and do it. Maybe you're waiting on, on a spouse. Maybe you're waiting for a job. It's really hard, but maybe it's so hard. Maybe whatever you're waiting for is so difficult because you're ignoring God's other clear commands in your life that He said in Scripture. Uh, Kevin DeYoung, in his book, Just Do Something, which I would recommend, says this, my point is that we should spend more time trying to figure out how to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God as instructed in Micah 6.8 as a doctor or lawyer and less time worrying about whether God wants us to be a doctor or lawyer. See, are we so preoccupied waiting on God that we're never actually praying for people? That we never serve people? That we're never using our talents and our gifts to serve the body of Christ? Wait wisely. Wait actively. Now what's ironic about this passage is that we're not waiting to witness. I entitled this message, Waiting to Witness. If you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have the power you need to witness. So another great way to wait wisely and actively is to witness, to tell other people about Jesus. We're clearly commanded to do it. So now, do it. We have nothing to wait for. And I know as soon as I start talking about this, you guys are going to get sick of Joey and I, and I'm okay with that. Because that's what the whole book is about. They're going and, and, and sharing Jesus with people. But I, I know as soon as I bring that up, people are like, yeah, that's not me. I can't do that. I'm really scared. Just all sorts of things pop into your mind and you just want to write me off. But I, I want to introduce some different styles of witnessing that might help you out. So one style is is proclamation. So this is what you're probably all thinking. This is verbally sharing the message of Jesus Christ with other people. Um, I love to do this. This is is my preferred style. I love to just ask people when I meet them, hey, what's your experience with church? What's your your experience with Jesus? Let's Let's just talk about it, okay? And I understand that that is not a lot of people, okay? Um, So you have the intellectual approach. Maybe this is like apologetics. Why do you believe what you believe? You can just say, hey, check this article out or or watch this video on intelligent design and let's talk about it later. There's a testimonial style. Maybe you like to just weave in story, your own life experiences in talking about Jesus. This This is Joey. Do that if that's your style. There's invitational. This is inviting people to places to hear the gospel. Inviting them to church, to youth group. When I was a youth pastor, we had a youth group gal who was scared to death to talk to people about Jesus, but invited more people than anyone I ever knew to youth group. I think she had this style. 
And it, it doesn't mean that she or, or anyone's off the hook from sharing it. We're all called to share the gospel, even if it's scary as well. But start with, start with what you're comfortable with, what you, comes naturally to you. Another one is service or mercy. You, you like to show them the gospel as well. Uh, my dad loves fixing cars for fun. I don't get that, but he loves doing that. And he did that for people all growing up, even to this day. And he just did it for free to help them out. And he would, it would often lead to conversations about Jesus with people. Which one is you? Start there. You know, last week, Joey asked, who can you witness to? Remember, he came down, and got all dramatic, and took a chair out. And, um, who can you witness to? Who was it? Who is that? Maybe you weren't here last week. Who is it? This week, what's your next step in witnessing to that person? Maybe it's prayer. You know, the, you know the saying, have you ever heard the saying, talk to God about people before you talk to people about God? Or even praying for them? Just start praying for them this week. Put, put a reminder in your phone or, or somewhere you remember, pray for this person. Have them over for supper. Everyone likes to eat. I haven't met anyone yet, anyways, that doesn't like to eat. Have them over for supper. Get them their favorite drink or snack or babysit for them. Serve them. Invite them to church. We got these cool um, window clings and stickers. Okay, I, and you can, get, you can grab some on your way out today if you want. Um, slap it on your coffee mug. Use it as an opportunity to tell people about your church. Hey, you should come to church with me. It's pretty cool. Uh, love it when the guy with the beard preaches, especially. So, whatever you want to say. You know, the, the number one reason people don't come to church is because they're not invited. Invite some people. You know, another way that you could, you could start to witness. I just heard a story this morning of... of Deacon Weber, Andrea and Joey's son. You know, he came to know Jesus. Not at home with his parents, but in a Sunday school class. Because someone decided, you know what? I'm going to take, I'm going to sacrifice some of my time. And I'm going to serve in this classroom. And I'm sure they were just going about life as usual. Doing what they, they were supposed to be doing in that class. And they got the opportunity Share the gospel with Deacon. He gave his life to Jesus. And so, I just want to take a second. There's, in front of you, there's these Sunday serve things. And we talked about them last week. And um, I want to give you permission to pull out your cell phones right now, too. And you can sign up to help with D6. That is a great way way to continue or to, to start to witness. You may not think so, but, but you could serve in that classroom and change lives for eternity. So especially, there's other ways to serve as well, but we really need help with that, with two services coming. We would love your help. And it's a great opportunity for you to continue to witness. There's, there's the next step you could take. So, waiting on God really difficult, right? But when it comes to witnessing, 
are you waiting on God or is God waiting on you? Let's pray. God,